This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the state legislature is, quite frankly, playing second fiddle to a public health emergency. You'll hear today from Governor Ron DeSantis, who declared the emergency, and from Florida Surgeon General Scott Rivkes, who has details on the two confirmed cases of coronavirus and a list of suggestions for protecting yourself. One of the governor's priorities, a bill requiring employers to use the federal E-Verify system to screen new hires, clears committees in the House and the Senate. Senator Dennis Baxley's bill requiring public school teachers to start the day with a minute of silence in the classroom advances in the Senate. The House version of that bill is on special order calendar today. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the latest tales of Florida men, including a burglary suspect who really digs gopher tortoises. Literally. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, March 3rd. Coronavirus rears its microscopic head in the Sunshine State. Governor Ron DeSantis has declared a public health emergency now that the COVID-19 has been discovered in the Tampa Bay region. There are two presumptive positive cases of coronavirus disease in the state of Florida. Uh, the first patient's an adult resident in Manatee County without travel history to China or other countries identified for restricted travel by the CDC. The second patient is an adult resident in Hillsborough County with a recent history of travel to the affected areas in Italy. In total, 23 people have been tested in the state of Florida. The state is currently monitoring 184, um, and in total, 795 uh, have been monitored. Now, those two individuals that tested positive remain in isolation at this time. Uh, despite these cases, the overall immediate threat to the public remains low. Uh, with that said, we do anticipate that uh, more will test positive, uh, and we have taken additional actions to help contain the virus's spread. Health officials cannot reveal any information that would identify the people who tested positive, but Florida Surgeon General Scott Rivkes was able to share some details. The first individual is a male in his 60s from Manatee County who is hospitalized for evaluation and treatment for pneumonia. This individual is currently stable and remains hospitalized. At the present time, it is not known how this individual was exposed to COVID-19. The Florida Department of Health is working closely with this individual, his close contacts, and healthcare providers to isolate and monitor any individuals who may have come in contact with this virus. And we will be implementing testing of any individual who may develop symptoms of COVID-19, which is shortness of breath, fever, or a cough. The second patient is a woman in her 20s from Hillsborough County who recently returned from Northern Italy. Northern Italy is a site of a large outbreak of COVID-19. This individual is currently stable and remains under continued isolation and medical care at home. The Florida Department of Health is working closely with this individual, her close contacts, health care providers to isolate and monitor individuals who may have been exposed. The health department has been gearing up for this since late December, but the governor's emergency declaration has kicked everything into high gear. The public health emergency ensures that health care providers, hospitals, and labs immediately report all suspected cases to the Department of Health. Now, individuals that have traveled to an area that the CDC has issued a warning level 3 or alert level 2 travel health notice or those that have been in contact with someone who has traveled to those places should immediately contact the Florida Department of Health upon developing symptoms. These symptoms include fever, cough, shortness of breath, 
or difficulty breathing. Current countries at a level three travel health notice include China, Iran, South Korea, and Italy. Japan is at an alert level two. There have been um, extensive restrictions regarding travel from certain parts of China. Uh, we believe that there will be uh, more restrictions in terms of Italy that the federal government um, is going to undertake. Uh, that would obviously be helpful for us as we're looking uh, to stop the spread of the virus. The public health emergency also advises individuals who believe they may have been exposed to COVID-19 to contact their local county health department prior to traveling to any physician's office, emergency department, hospital, or urgent care center. Um, if you look at this virus, the vast, vast majority of people who acquire it will not require hospitalization. Um, and so if you work through your, your local provider or county health department, rather than showing up at an urgent care center, that will help uh, with the resources uh, for, for other needs. Of course, the only thing that really matters is, how does this affect you? Dr. Rivke says most of the people who contract coronavirus will not have serious problems, but the risk of complications depends on your age and your overall health. Most individuals with COVID-19 will have a mild case. 80% of individuals will be able to be treated and observed at home. Up to 15% of individuals may have a more severe case requiring hospitalization. Up to 5% of individuals, this may be especially severe. In the elderly, in those individuals with underlying medical conditions, like high blood pressure, heart problems, obesity, and diabetes, may be more prone to develop serious complications should they contract COVID-19. There is no vaccine to prevent COVID-19. At the present time, we do not have any medications to treat COVID-19. Thus, care is supportive. The Surgeon General is also making a series of recommendations for health care facilities, nursing homes, colleges, universities, and the general public. We'll get the details later in the podcast. House and Senate committees in the state capitol have passed two different versions of a bill requiring some employers to screen their new hires through the federal E-Verify system. Representative Cord Byrd is the House sponsor, and he claims this will make it easier to fight human trafficking. Human trafficking is the business of stealing freedom for profit through forced labor, debt, bondage, servitude, and commercial sexual exploitation. So one of the goals that this bill is trying to achieve is to end the lure of illegal labor trafficking and sex trafficking. So one of the problems because of our lax enforcement is that Florida is a, is a lure and draw to illegal labor. Um, I have article after article that talks about the problem of um, sexual harassment epidemic on America's farms, the abuse that these um, individuals are subjected to, not only sex abuse, but threats of deportation. Um, so if we can cut out this underground economy that is existing or, or seek to enforce laws against those who are, who are um, engaging in modern-day slavery, I think that not only would we have a resolution, that uh, says that, that, it, that national human trafficking awareness, we're, we're not only raising awareness, we're raising enforcement of the criminals who are engaging in this illegal activity. But Karen Woodall, who has spent 40 years lobbying for the rights of farm workers and the poor, says E-Verify will not stop traffickers. Human trafficking, both sex trafficking and labor trafficking, is not people seeking work. It's people who may be here or came under the illusion that they were going to work and it was stated didn't get the work they wanted, but that's already illegal. And I want to suggest to you that the unscrupulous, immoral people who traffic human beings are not filling out an I-9 form or using an E-Verify system, whether you require them to or not. 
and frankly, the employers that are the few bad actors aren't going to do it either. People are here to work. They are here to work. They're just trying to provide a better life for their families. Making it so that they can't work to protect them from abuses is not helping them. The solution to bringing people out of the shadows is to make it possible for them to be here and work legally. Woodall testified against the E-Verify bill in the House Committee on State Affairs in the morning and in the Senate Rules Committee in the afternoon, where Senator Tom Lee is sponsoring the bill. Woodall says it's up to the feds to fix a broken immigration system, but Lee says they cannot wait on Congress. I don't think it's reasonable for Florida to sit on the sidelines and wait for the federal government to act. I, you know, the state is the organizing principle of this democracy in this country. Uh, we created the federal government collectively of states. And if we feel like it is responsible to honor the rule of law here in this state and ask our employers to use a system at federal government that the federal government's put in place that's 99% effective uh, to verify the veracity of documents being provided for employment, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing for us to request that they do. Lee's bill was approved by the Rules Committee and is ready for floor action. The same committee also approved Senator Dennis Maxley's bill, requiring at least a minute of silence at the start of every school day. I think most of you are probably familiar with this proposal to establish a moment of silence each day starting in our uh, education system. And uh, sometimes I think we need to start meetings with that here. But I do think it's a good idea. I think it could set a different tone without uh, crossing the line with advocating what people do during that moment of silence. That would be between them and their parents. But uh, it could set a different tone for the day. But Devon Graham with American Atheists says that minute or two of silence is really all about religion. The sponsors of this bill claim that the moment of silence is innocuous and neutral. However, this bill is amending a statute entitled Permitting the Study of the Bible and Religion. How is this non-religious, and how is this neutral when it explicitly is in reference to the teaching of Judeo-Christian scriptures? The sponsors of this bill also claim that this is in the best interest of our children, that they just need a moment to relax. I would also be concerned if students didn't already have the opportunity to take a moment for themselves, but they do, and this should not be mandated. I'm also concerned about those students who choose not to participate with what might be considered a typical response. Sponsors assure us that nothing will happen to them during those two minutes, one to two minutes. I fear for the retribution of what will happen when the silence is over. So when a student chooses not to bow their head and close their eyes, reads the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita, or meditate silently over small, a small image of Baphomet, I hope that their First Amendment rights will be protected and they'll be afforded the same courtesy as their peers. And the legislative director of the National Organization for Women in Florida, Melina Rea Svanhild Farley Moret, believes those mandatory minutes of silence will turn some kids against religion. We are in opposition of this bill, frankly, because of the time it would take out of classroom. However, in general, if you value religion and the role it plays in people's lives, you should also be against this bill. Because one of the effects it's going to have is the children who have to deal with this are going to see the motivations behind this as clearly as I do. And they are going to ridicule this to no end. And they're going to leave high school with a bitter taste in their mouth for religion. And they will leave it faster than they already are. Despite those concerns, Baxley's minute of silence bill passed the Rules Committee and is ready for the Senate floor. The House version of that bill is on the special order calendar today in the lower chamber. Next up, the head of the state health department tells you how to protect yourself from the coronavirus. Tip number one, you might want to rethink that vacation in China. 
This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Welcome back to Sunrise. Now that the coronavirus has been detected in Florida, State Surgeon General Scott Rivkes has issued a series of recommendations to help institutions and individuals respond to the threat. For starters, he says you need to be very careful if you're heading overseas. Before planning overseas travel, please refer to the CDC website, which identifies areas of travel concern. In addition to China, there are currently large outbreaks of COVID-19 taking place in northern Italy, South Korea, and Iran, with more than 1,500 cases there. If you are returning from these areas, we are asking that you self-isolate for 14 days after returning. This applies going forward to individuals returning from these areas and from individuals who have returned from these areas within the past 14 days. If you are self-isolating and become ill, please contact the county health department or your health care provider before seeking medical attention. Rivkes has issued new guidelines for colleges and universities that have international programs and for nursing homes that are full of vulnerable people. Regarding nursing homes and other residential facilities, recently an outbreak of COVID-19 was reported in a nursing home in the state of Washington. Please review your visitation policies and consider restricting visitations. Please screen all visitors for being ill and restrict anybody with any sign of illness from visiting. Colleges and universities are areas of high-density interactions and housing, and many have international programs, as do some secondary schools. If you have students returning from high outbreak areas, please assist these individuals in self-isolating for 14 days after their return. If any of these individuals become ill, please contact our county health departments so we can assist in their evaluation. The coronavirus is also a threat to the healthcare industry, and Rivke says hospitals and clinics have to step up their game to protect their own workers. All healthcare facilities and healthcare providers are asked to review the expanded definitions as to when to consider COVID-19 in an individual. This includes individuals returning from areas of global high outbreak, Uh, within the past 14 days in lower respiratory disease symptoms. This includes individuals returning from China, South Korea, Iran, Italy, and some parts of Japan. We also are now including individuals who have new onset lower respiratory disease without a known cause as individuals who should be considered for COVID-19. Healthcare providers and workers are reminded that all individuals who are being evaluated either in the outpatient or inpatient setting for lower respiratory tract illnesses 
should have respiratory or aerosol precautions in place. We need to protect our healthcare workers from getting COVID-19. As for the general public, well, there's no vaccine and no treatment yet. Rifke says your best bet is to take a few simple precautions as you go about your day. The risk to the general population is currently low. You can go about your normal business. But there are ways that you can protect yourself from COVID-19. Avoid close contact with individuals who are sick. Stay home when you are ill. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Cover your cough or sneezes with tissues and then disposing of the tissue. And wash your hands frequently with soap and water. These are measures that will protect you. There will be more cases of coronavirus in Florida, but Rivke says the state will do everything it can to prevent it from spreading. Your calendar of events begins at 9 in the morning. That's when the House Education Committee is meeting. The Senate holds a floor session at 10. They'll consider a plan to eliminate the controversial Best and Brightest Teacher Bonus Program. Senators may also vote on a bill paying more than $2 million to Clifford Williams to compensate him for 43 years in prison for a murder he did not commit. The House meets at 11.30. One of the items on their agenda would make it much harder to place a constitutional amendment on the ballot. At 1, the Senate Appropriations Committee takes up numerous bills, including one expanding the number of children who would be eligible for private school vouchers. The Public Service Commission meets at 9.30 to decide whether to approve a controversial $1.8 billion plan that would lead to Florida Power and Light adding 20 solar-powered plants over two years. Under the Solar Together program, customers would be able to voluntarily pay more on their electric bills to finance those projects and then receive credits resulting in a payback in about seven years. And Democratic presidential candidate Mike Bloomberg will appear at an organizing event tonight at 7 in the Palm Beach County Convention Center. And it's time once again for the adventures of Florida Man, where we ask the question, just how dumb is Florida Man? The Tavares Police Department is offering a special service for drug users worried about the coronavirus. They're offering to test your stash for traces of COVID-19. On their Facebook page, the police department says a lot of narcotics come from overseas. They want people to be safe so anyone with drugs can bring them by the police station and they'll test your batch within minutes. And a Florida man tried to avoid the law by hiding in a gopher tortoise burrow. The Putnam County Sheriff's Office was investigating a burglary when a deputy and his canine partner discovered 36-year-old Justin Buckler throwing dirt on himself, trying to burrow into the nest of a gopher tortoise. He's charged with larceny, possession of methamphetamine, and possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. He is also charged with endangering a threatened species because it's against the law to mess with gopher tortoises. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.